Hello, 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 and welcome back to our Chemical Serenity, the podcast that takes you on a journey along the path, through the woods, across the fields and moors, down to the beach, where we can sit around the campfire and talk about the path you were born to lead in a witchy, spiritual and druid way. Now, before I get into this podcast, I just need to apologise for its length. It's the longest one I've ever recorded in this series because there is such a lot to talk about and obviously it's the very largest of large festivals. So grab a cup of your favourite brew, sit back and let's talk about all things festive, all things Yule and all things winter solstice. There is something I need to add before we start. Uh, I would like to thank the beautiful group of ladies I recently met at a herbal medicine making morning. It was a small group of like-minded ladies who came along to listen to me talk about bees and the Melissae, goddesses and Yule um, whilst they made a honey oxymel. And after this, we made a Yule incense and we set that with our intentions for the, um, the incense for the forthcoming weeks over the Yule period. And then we rolled some beeswax candles in lovely festive colours. We chatted about all things honey from its production um, to medicinal properties. We drank lemon balm tea um, and we learned all about the medicinal side to the tea as well. Now this all took place in Leicestershire with my wonderful friend Emily from Sulis Botanical and she's a clinical aromatherapist and herbalist and we've worked together on many different things and I think we've also worked together on many different lifetimes. Um, I will link to her in the show notes description below uh, because we'll be running more circles I said this in 2024 so if you're interested let me know this might be something if you're in the local area to Leicestershire and you'd like to come along and join our circle of herbal makes and all sorts of different talks on understanding herbs um, plant law folklore there's you know it doesn't it's not sort of well it's organic it, it becomes something as we start to look mainly at the wheel of the year we try we try and concentrate when we work together on the wheel of the year so hopefully our next one will be all about imolk now that said we now need to talk about yule so we're now heading towards our darkest time of the year known as the shortest day it takes this um, from the shortest daylight hours in the northern hemisphere and so for those in the southern hemisphere it's now coming up to the summer solstice and full of daylight. Solstice means sun stands still and it's taken from two Latin words of sol for sun and sister which sort of means to cause to stand still. So in the northern hemisphere if you're wanting almost the exact scientific time of the solstice it falls on the 22nd of December at 3.27am Greenwich Mean Time, which is perfect for us because we always start our celebrations at sundown the day before, which is the traditional date of the 21st of December. As I've said many times, these dates, though, um, be before they were widely available on computers to go and check the exact perfect moment, we always used either an almanac, an almanac to check um, for the dates or we would start our celebrations on the 20th of December at sundown and they would go on to sundown again on the 21st um, after a day of celebration. So it, it's up to you where you want to sort of include that time in your 
um, wheel of the year. So if you wanted to start it, say, on the 21st, you can do. If you want to start it on the 20th, if you want to start it just on the 22nd, it doesn't matter because the winter solstice energies are sort of way before and way after. So you've got plenty of time. So the winter solstice itself is also known as Alban Arthen, Yule or Yol, and Saturnalia. And each one is a festival taking place to celebrate the return of the light or return of the sun god. Now our ancestors here in Britain and in Ireland built standing stones around the country to align with the solstice sunrise or sunsets. An example would be New Grange in Ireland. When the sun rises on the 21st of December, it shines a shaft of light down through a hole in the central chamber. It was built about 5,200 years ago by farmers, which makes it older than the pyramids, and is now believed to be a place of astrological, spiritual, religious and ceremonial importance, much really like our present cathedrals are today. There is another at Karnak Temple in Luxor, which was built 5,000 years ago, and on the winter solstice, as the sun rises in the morning, the light penetrates the inner sanctum of the temple and rests on Amun Ra's Holy of Holy at the centre of the temple. There's another at Machu Picchu in Peru and also in the Tectec Mountains in Turkey. So the winter solstice was very important to all civilizations thousands of years ago. Our ancestors would have been hoping for a favourable winter. The food for cattle would be slowly depleting, so sacrifices would have to be made for food. They would watch the great art in the sky, now known as the Great Bear or Ursa Major, with Ursa Minor, and, or the Plough as it's known in the UK, and it's also known as the Big Dipper in the US, so they would be visible in the sky. There are many folklore stories that have affected us as an island, from the Vikings believing that Odin, the great father of all gods, would ride across the night sky. Lull was an Anglo-Saxon word for wheel, and closely related to the Old Norse form word of yol. Probably one of the most influential festivals for us would have been Saturnalia. Our delightful Roman pagan ancestors held their holiday festival from the 17th to the 23rd of December in the Julian calendar. Sacrifices took place to the god Saturn who was the agricultural god ruling over the world. Gifts were given and there was lots of eating and drinking and the slaves were given time off to have fun. There was also what is known as the Lord of Misrule, and this is when all class distinctions were abolished. So slaves and masters would actually switch roles, and the rules that governed good behaviour were suspended. What a time that would have been! However, when the Roman Empire was converted to Christianity, the 25th of December became the chosen date of the Son of God of their faith's holy day. This, and the, this was first recorded as Christ's Mass Day, and that took place in 336 AD on the 6th of January, but was eventually moved to the 25th of December around 334 to 360 AD to prevent these unruly and absolutely disgraceful Roman pagans from partying to celebrate their old ways. The Lord of Misrule had a bit of a comeback during the medieval period, and especially in the court of Henry VIII who wholeheartedly parted hard and even allowed one person every year to be the Lord of Misrule. Henry had to agree to anything the Lord did, with no consequences. The Druids called this time Albanathan, which means the light of Artor or art, and that's taken from the Great Bear or art constellation. 
meaning it's the time of light returning. It could also mean Arthur Pendragon, who is symbolically born as the sun child, the Mabon. If you remember back to summer solstice, the holy god won the battle over the oak god, bringing about the shorter daylight hours leading up to this time. And now it's time for the oak king or god to battle the holy king and win the fight to bring back the light to take us forward into a new season, into spring and into summer. There is also the modernet, which means mother night. And this is in honour of female ancestors and goddesses or the mother figure. And this takes place on the 20th of December. The wild hunt is also on the 20th of December. And this is where the spirits of the dead are meant to walk the earth and fly around with Odin. Wren Day was celebrated on the 26th of December, where boys would dress up in costumes to look like birds and wrens. And it comes about from an old tradition where the wren was killed and carried from house to house, bringing good cheer and signifying light over dark. Hogmanay in Scotland is still a winter festival and may have come have once been part of the whole winter solstice tradition. Now it's thought that the word Hogmanay comes from the French Augui Menez, which means lead to the mistletoe, which suggests the connection to Druidry. Now because of my Scottish ancestry, I've grown up with first footing, where the first visitor into the home of the new year would bring good luck for the coming year. But he must, he, he I said he, must be dark haired, carrying a bag which contained coal for heat, bread for food and money for possessions and a bottle of something alcoholic. Now in our house, that has to be a single malt. <laughs> now in my younger days, it was not easy on a night out to celebrate the new year, out with your friends, trying to find a male with dark hair, <laughs> some obscure person dragged in off the street going, oh, you'll do, you've got dark hair, can you just do me a favour? Just step over, carry this, in you go. And then, you know, on your bike, mate, thank you very much. <laughs> so it's not, <laughs> it's not something that you can easily do. But quite often, I was the first one into the house on New Year's Day and I have blonde hair. In the 8th century, the Venerable Bede rode about the Gil, which um, to Anglo-Saxon, Norse and Germanic tribes was a period of time in the calendar of two months that marked the time when the sun began to appear at the solstice. In the 9th century, Yule became a thing and it was actually called Yule for Norwegian, Swedish and Danes. Yolod to the Astorians, Yolu to the Finnish, and Yol in Iceland. The Krampus is a horned anthropomorphic figure in the central and eastern Alpine folklore of Europe who, during the Advent season, scares children who have misbehaved. Now, apparently, he goes round assisting St. Nicholas, and the pair visit children on the night of the 6th of December. Um, with St. Nicholas rewarding the well-behaved children with gifts such as oranges, dried fruit, walnuts and chocolate, while the badly behaved ones only receive punishment from Krampus with birch rods. <laughs> um, Krampus Day itself is actually on the 5th of December. I think we might just leave that one behind. I'd quite frankly rather go for Elf on the Shelf than Krampus, really. The Kaliak... Obviously, Winter Goddess, we did talk about her in Samhain. Um, she's the hag aspect of the triple goddess. 
and obviously she's ruling now from Samhain to Beltane and she brings the cold white snows, frosts and obviously death and this is where we talk about death and renewal at this time of the year. Um, there is the Glen uh, Kelich in Glenline in Perthshire and I may have, I apologise if I have pronounced that wrong, my pronunciation um, of Scottish words is absolutely atrocious despite how much Scottish blood I have. Um, and it's a stream, uh, it, the Glen itself has a stream called the Alt Kelech, which runs into Loch Leon. Um, the area is famous for pagan ritual, which according to legend is associated with the Kelech. And there's a small um, shelling in the Glen known as either Teague Nan Kelech, or which is Scottish Gaelic, obviously, for House of Old Woman, or Teague Nan Bolech, um, and Scottish Gaelic for House of the Old Men which houses a number of heavy, water-worn stones resembling miniature human beings. They're roughly rectangular and the building itself measures about 2 metres by 1.3 by half a metre high with a stone roof. Now, according to local legend, the stones represent the Kaliach, her husband, the Bodach, and their children, and the site might represent the only surviving shrine of its kind in Great Britain. Now, the local legend suggests that the Kaliach and her family were given shelter in the Glen by the locals. And while they stayed there, the Glen was always fertile and prosperous. When they left, they gave the stones to the locals with a promise that as long as the stones were put back out to look over the Glen at Beltane and put back into the shelter and made secure for winter at Samhain, then the Glen would continue to be fertile. And this ritual is still carried out to this day. One of my favourite subject matters this time of the year is reindeers. Now, obviously, we all believe that old Father Christmas jumps on his sleigh pulled by reindeers and rides across the night sky delivering presents to everyone. We know this because Norad said so. And we watch online the live footage of him crossing over the different time zones and continents. <sighs> I just need to ask, has anybody else sat and waited at midnight waiting for him? to come into the house or slide down the chimney and deliver the gifts? No? Just me then. Okay, well, in my defence, I will say it was a particularly good bottle of Baileys that Christmas. The subject of reindeers and the trods are a whole new topic for investigation next year, but if you are a reindeer fan and didn't know already, all those pulling Father Christmases um, sleigh across the sky are actually female because at this time of the year only female reindeers have antlers so I just needed to get that one off my chest. <laughs> I absolutely adore reindeers and I've had some wonderful experiences with them. Um, when I was living in Devon my friend Sue had reindeer and my daughter and I um, had the lovely experience of going and actually sitting in with a reindeer. I mean, in most places you can sort of go and see a reindeer and you perhaps pet a reindeer but we were allowed to go and sit in with the reindeer and sit with her baby. And it was a really lovely experience. And it's something I shall treasure because reindeers are such beautiful, gentle animals. So just before we end this bit of history um, and folklore, let's talk about the 12 days of Christmas, which is not about five gold rings. It's actually the 12 days of Yule. And the Celts believe that the sun stood still for 12 days and the time belonged to neither the old season or the new. 
Now, once again, the Christian leaders in the church had to remove another one of those naughty pagan festivals. And it wasn't until the year 567, the Council of Tours would officially proclaim that the 12 days were to be celebrated from Christmas Day on December the 25th through to Epiphany around the 5th of January. Now, the correct 12 days of Yule begin around Mother Night on the 20th and they last until the 31st of December. So if you are wanting to party um, your 12 days, look at those dates. So you've got the 20th of Mother Night, the 21st to the 22nd of Yule and then the rest of the time to party and recover just in time for the beginning of what is now our new year. So where does this leave us and the path that we're following? So it doesn't matter what path you're on, you might go wholeheartedly into this um, or you might just want to observe a few correspondences or add something to your book of shadows if you um, or if you like to journal. So names that um, this time of the year come under are Yule, Winter Solstice, Saturnalia and Albanartan. The direction is north. The element is earth, obviously grounded and awaiting rebirth. Crystals and gems are onyx for balance and grounding and turquoise for contentment and healing. Colours are red, um, which are the vitality and fire, life force. Green is abundance. Um, think of evergreens for new beginnings. White is for calm, snow, peace and starting new. Gold is for prosperity, the sun energy and wealth. Your zodiac sign is obviously Capricorn and it's the solar festival of the sun. Animals, if you're looking for sort of a, um, a totem animal type thing, you know, um, if you follow the, um, that path. The reindeer obviously are the, the symbol of the forest goddess. And then you've got deers. A white doe is the symbol of the mother figure or the mother goddess. Goats, well goats pulled Thor's chariot across the sky at night. The boar or pig was believed to be a gift from the other world to the Celts. And Frey, the Norse god, was associated with them as well. Robins, because they are always in the garden wanting to have a chat with you, aren't they? And they remind us of our ancestors who are no longer with us. Bears, obviously the great art is in the sky, but also it is the symbol of winter. Because when the bears emerge from their hibernation, light and life are returning to the earth. Deities would be the Keliach. We've got Krampus, Demeter, Persephone, Isis, Gaia, Freya and Hoda. They're all the female earth goddesses. Ritual work would be a clearing of the past, looking forward to new beginnings, rest and taking care of oneself. Ritual tools would be the cauldron of intuition, psychic work, creation and manifestation. Plants and flowers, mistletoe, Christmas rose. Trees would be holly for luck and protection, spruce for clarity, Cedar for banishing and prosperity, fir for calming and intuition, and all evergreens as a natural symbol of the resurrection or rebirth and of everlasting life and how life continues regardless. Herbs and spices were rosemary for banishing any negativity, culinary sage for calmness, health and healing, peppermint for relaxation and calm, cinnamon for strength and any added umph. You can add cinnamon to virtually everything and it will give all your ritual work and spell work a bit of umph and clove for attraction, healing, power, protection and purification. Oils would be clove, frankincense, myrrh, orange and pine and foods. Well, I was going to be <laughs> clever here and, and, and you know, list lots of different things, but apart from fruit, cakes, mince pies, 
quite frankly, absolutely anything. It's 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 party time. Eat <laughs> eat what you like, and then worry about it in January. I never said that, obviously, because obviously I don't advocate the scoffing of lots of food <clears throat> and alcohol. And talking of which, drink eggnog. Of course, hot chocolate, a hot toddy made from lemon, honey, brandy or another alcohol. It doesn't matter, what, whatever you enjoy. And a cinnamon stick. And then you've also got mulled wine, mulled cider and mulled apple juice for those who don't like to drink for whatever reason. So <clears throat> those are the correspondences that if you wanted to add those in um, or wanted to use any of those, that's up to you. And then we have just different things that you can do over the season. So we have our table of correspondences that you might want to use. Now, what else can we do this time of the year to celebrate the um, the Yule winter solstice? So you've got the Yule log, which most people um, know of its name, but not necessarily of its origins. Now, this stems from a Celtic, Germanic, Baltic, Slavic tradition that has come across from Northern Europe. The first reference to a Yule log is a 17th century poem called the Christmas log, but it obviously had origins further back in Germanic and Anglo-Saxon history. And it was seen as an emblem of light and the returning warmth of the sun, and originally it would have been brought in from the land, but further traditions are that it was given as a gift from one home to another. It was put into the hearth, and once started should never be have to be relit, um, otherwise bad luck um, would come on the household and it would stay there until it burned out or in another tradition a small piece was removed before it burned out to keep to one side to relight next year's your lock how they do that i do not know anyway we then can go on to the table your log which is made with candles now if you can purchase you know sort of a piece of um, kiln dried wood you um, and then perhaps flatten out the bottom so it stands properly drill out three holes along the top to take for in your candles and you can then obviously decorate for your table or altar with green red and white candles and put some ivy and holly on whatever you, you know takes your fancy light the candles when you're ready and set your intention for the yule season and into january wassailing now the first time the word wassail is heard is in the eighth century poem of beowulf it's a salute or hail in Old Norse, meaning be in good cheer or be fortunate. And it became a pagan ritual to bless the apple trees for the next season. Tradition has it, and this still takes place in Somerset and Devon, that the wassailing takes place on the 12th night or the 6th of January, also known as Epiphany. Now, Epiphany is the date when three very wise men turned up with presents to a stable near an inn. However... That's the Christian times. We now know about the Yule dates, so wassailing could take place at a different time, just to confuse the issue. However, my favourite word, if you retake the 12 days of Christmas from around the 21st of December in the traditional pagan festival, the wassailing would actually take place on the 1st of January. So that's up to you. If you want to go out there and um, bless your apple trees in the garden, um, I'll let or even join in because I know that obviously down in Devon and Cornwall, there's lots of wassailing still happens, and you can actually go and, and join in. You can, if you Google it, there are places that will go and um, have a jolly good wassail. Mary Fluid. Now, this um, is origins of Mary's name are like the horse herself, deeply mysterious. So, one Welsh translation of it means grey mare. 
Um, it connects to the heritage of the pale horse in Celtic and British mythology, many of whom can cross over to the underworld. Um, Rhiannon in the Mabinogion rode a white horse, for example, and the Mari is a horse's skull on a stick, and obviously there's a person underneath it holding the stick, but they're covered in a white sheet. Um, there's a mane of coloured ribbons, and some stories believe it represents the horse being kicked out of the stable for the birth of Jesus. I think we've dispelled that one um, before. Um, we won't go into anything because there weren't any horses. We won't go into that one. There weren't many horses. Anyway, Mary is taken around the village and a ritual called Princo or bawdy songs or poems are exchanged from outside the door to inside the door and each one replies to the other. Um, if the Marys um, gain entrance into the household, it is said to bring good luck for the coming year. However, the Mary is also known to be very mischievous and likes to steal things or chase people. Um, bringing evergreens into the home, the Yule tree represents life and renewal. And evergreens are believed to hold the power over death as they don't lose their leaves. And holly symbolises everlasting life and wards off evil spirits. So it brings hope and its berries are there for fertility. Mistletoe represents fertility, vitality and romance and druids valued its healing property and would gather mistletoe from oak trees with a sacred gold scythe. Maidens would stand below the branches to catch the mistletoe and prevent it from touching the ground as it was thought that this would send all the powerful energy of the mistletoe back into the earth. Mistletoe's berries ripen in December and it maintains its green leaves. So kissing under the mistletoe is believed to have been started at Saturnalia. It was also used at marriage ceremonies because of its fertility association. So if you have the fortune to travel down the M5, if you're in um, Britain heading towards Devon and Cornwall, there are quite a few trees on farmer's land in both Gloucestershire and Somerset with balls of mistletoe growing in the trees. And I spotted these... Um, in all my travelling backwards and forwards for 20 years from Leicestershire back down to my home in Devon. And I kept looking at them thinking, they're a very, very good round shape, those, for a crow's nest. And each time I drive past, I think, that crow's nest has got bigger. And then all of a sudden you realise it is a ball of mistletoe, but it's really, really high up in the tree. So how they're going to get up there with a the scythe, I do not know. But if you, if you are travelling down, you can see it better in winter. In summer it's harder. But they are visible on the M5 as you drive into Devon and Cornwall. Well, in Somerset and you're heading um, towards Devon and Cornwall. Caroling. Now this begins with children in villages going from door to door, singing Yule songs to bring about good cheer and being rewarded with sweets and gifts. Gingerbread. Now the spiced ginger didn't make its way to England until the 11th century with the Crusades. And at this time and beyond that into Elizabethan times, bread making uh, came under strict rules. So they, the laws regarding its production uh, were particularly um, difficult. So gingerbread was only allowed to be made at Yule, just as hot cross buns were only allowed to be made at Easter. And that was law was actually created by Elizabeth I for that one. So whether she created the same about gingerbread, I'm not too sure. But um, the, I think I did actually cover that. Is, I think I covered that when I, um, in one of my previous podcasts about how Elizabeth made sure that hot cross buns were only created at certain times of the year. 
the Yule goat. Now, you you may have seen some decorations appear over a few years that look like straw goats. And this is from a tr Swedish tradition where large straw goats were made to tribute um, as a tribute to Thor, who is said to ride a chariot, obviously pulled by goats, which I mentioned earlier. Its association with Christmas is now commonplace in Sweden and believed to be um, the companion to Santa Claus. So the goat is also the symbol of the sign of Capricorn, which obviously is where we are. And... Um, takes place from the Capricorn. We fall into the Capricorn sign from roughly around the 22nd of January onwards. Hogwatch night. Now, this is when the Hogfather delivers presents to boys and girls if they have been good and his sleigh is pulled by a team of hogs. Hang on a minute. No, sorry. That's a Terry Pratchett Discworld book and novel, isn't it? Although you can see how a book could create a new tradition in 200 years time when people believe that this was true. No, okay, so it's a little bit far-fetched, but you can see where Terry Pratchett's idea for um, his novel Hogwatch came from. If you haven't read the book, um, I can highly recommend, highly recommend it. And um, there is a movie also as well. Um, and it's all a bit of fun. And it's the typical satirical way that Terry Pratchett wrote. So what can you do to celebrate Yule now in the 21st century? How about hosting a Yule feast? Now, if you like to cook, then you can go out all out and do so. Um, maybe have a potluck supper so you can invite your friends around and ask them to bring either a savoury or sweet dish enough to share around you and your friends. And this makes it a whole lot easier on you as the host. Make a hot cider drink. Now, there's plenty of recipes online for mulled cider. Um, and then you can shout out wassail to your guests who reply with drink hail, meaning drink and be well. Pomanders. Uh, you can make traditional orange and clove pomanders and hang them around the house. They'll smell absolutely divine. Now, now I always soak my clothes in a bit of clove and orange oil before adding them to my orange. And obviously I use the skewer to make the little hole and it just gives them that little bit more scent. Um, for for a longer time and you can dress up or dress down your orange or just place them in bowls around the house then obviously hang mistletoe and find somebody to kiss underneath it evergreen wreath now create an evergreen wreath either from your own garden or look out for a local wreath making class now i went to one last year had a fabulous time making a wreath and it lasted well into january Holly and ivy have magical meaning, so holly is especially good for decorating anywhere that needs protection. So if you could hang your wreath on your door or around your or your window even, and also um, put some around your fireplace and it can ward off bad energy that uh, may try and enter your home. Um, ivy brings good luck and prosperity. Um, you can also then add seeds and cones, ribbons, gold baubles to represent the sun. And the circular shape of a wreath represents the wheel of the year. And the returning sun. The solstice tree. Now, there's long been a tradition to bring a tree into the home and decorate it. Now, it might only have been part of a tree, but in Strasbourg, Germany, even back in the 1600s, fir trees were brought into the parlour and decorated. And this is probably where the tradition um, came from that Prince Albert brought to the UK, bringing a tree into the house to decorate it. There is also trees outside, so why not dress a tree just for the wildlife with popcorn, blueberries and cranberries? They can all be strung up and perhaps hang some apple pieces and pears as well. And also keep an eye on your bird feeders and any wildlife that will still need to drink water. Because we go out there and we fill all our 
um, hanging um, things up with um, the whole our bird feeders up with lots of seed and then we don't leave them any water and everybody they, they all still need every bird needs some water over winter what about a your walk walk um, with all these exciting festivities you may need some time out either alone or in company so make the most of the winter's chill assuming <laughs> assuming we don't have rain i mean i'm sitting here recording this and i'm looking out and it's raining but that's the end of november for you take a flask of your favorite hot brew maybe do some journaling photography sketching or i would say foraging but there really isn't a great deal of foraging left to do but you might spot something that you could just go oh yeah there's something but i won't take it just in case i have no idea what that mushroom really is letter what about writing a special letter to someone you know and pop it into a card if you're sending cards i mean i know a lot of people don't like to send cards some people do i mean that's purely up to you but if you're sending cards one or not write a special letter not the round robin not the one that you all write and you photocopy or print off 20 of them and tell everybody all about your family <sighs> i'm not even going to get into that one but that's something that drives me absolutely insane <laughs> Obviously, don't forget to feed the birds. I've already mentioned feeding the birds. Um, your altars. Now, your altar is a physical representation of your spiritual connection that you make to the natural world. So um, I have a whole podcast that I wrote on altars. Um, I think it was episode six on YouTube and it might be the same on the other platforms. Um, but it was around the beginning of May of 2023. Indoors, um, use a complete white cloth on your altar to represent snow and then dress it with evergreens if you have them um or fake ones if not it, it doesn't really matter it's the same representation um there are shops out there in i should imagine across all countries that have got lots of pieces of branches and um items that you can put on there to look like evergreens candles twinkly lights stars some statues of your favorite mother goddesses um gods even if you if you'd rather put gods on you've got odin the holly king the oak king horus Mithras and of course Saturn. But with all this greenery, take care with your candles. Now I try and use those really sort of what the large round ones, which um, as a central candle. Um, obviously, we kind of call them church candles because that's what they're the same size as the ones in church. Um, if you have an out an outdoor altar, um, have a think about what that would like you'd like that to represent for your coming year journaling at Yule I think journaling is always something good to do um, especially if you suffer from um, seasonal affective disorder um, or you're just missing missing daylight and it's miserable out there and it's raining and uh, the, the leaves have fallen off the trees and you know if it was if it was a nice dry day you could go and crunch the leaves couldn't you you know, find a wood and think right I'm gonna crunch my way through some leaves and make that wonderful sound but not in the uk it's um likely to be wet and damp and miserable but if you feel that journaling can help you um what would you change what would you like to change for this year coming year um you know if you reflect back on the last year what would you change anything at all you know you might not want to you might think no i actually enjoyed my year i i had a good year or no i had a really bad year but those experiences have brought me to where i am now Make some incense as well. Um, most ways of celebrating Yule today, um, 
take place with lots of candles. Um, but if you'd like to make incense, then I've got a great one coming up by Scott Cunningham. So, incense. Um, now, I've recorded this podcast early to give you a chance if you wanted to go and, and make this, because you might have to order some of these in. But you'll need... Now, when I say parts, um, in this case, I probably mean a teaspoon. Um, because I think that this is the incense that we made at our um, Maker Circle. So if you are listening to this and you were at the Maker Circle, then obviously you'll recognise what was in um, your incense. And I'd love to know what it smelled like when you actually burnt it. When we tried it, it smelled, I mean, it did smell absolutely lovely. lovely so um, you'll need two parts of frankincense, two parts of pine needles, one part of cedar, one part of juniper berries, one part of rosemary, and half to one teaspoon of cinnamon, one part of dried orange rind, and a few drops of clove oil. Well, they are optional. If you wanted to add a little bit of clove oil, you can. So put these into um, a little tin and mix them around. Now, everything needs to be dried. Um, when I say pine needles, don't dip out into the garden and snip them off the Christmas tree um, or snip them off the next door neighbour's cedar tree if it's hanging over the fence. They need to be dried. So you will actually, so unless you dry your own um, and you're a seasoned incense maker then you would need to perhaps purchase these um online and there's some very good companies um that uh, that will supply these if you're looking to do something like that now being the season of goodwill um moving on from incense what about helping in any way you can with the homeless or maybe inviting a neighbor around for a cup and some cake perhaps sending packages to the military personnel who are abroad in the uk we have operationchristmasbox.org and supportoursoldiers.org.uk that send out packages to personnel who haven't got family connections and would certainly appreciate a box of goodies. Um, you can check out their website for more details of what's appropriate to send. And I'm sure if you're listening um, from anywhere else across the globe, you've probably got the equivalent of something like that in your country. And last, by no means least, you've probably guessed it, fire pit. <laughs> now, I'm not going to waffle on about fire pits. I'm pretty sure if you've been listening to um, my podcast for the last year on the Wheel of the Year, you'll be sick to death of fire pits and thinking, oh, God, I don't want another one of those. But it, they, I will say they are very good as a your ritual for letting go. Prepare your fire pit as usual and write down on pieces of paper anything you want to let go of. And as you place each one into the fire, imagine it ceasing to bother you anymore and all the negative energies disappearing into the fire. And you can do this however many times you want to. If you're having a bad day on Christmas Day and it's not going your, the way you wanted it to go with the family, you just go outside, light the fire and no, don't stick anybody's names on it because that probably wouldn't be a good idea. But write some words down of, you know, the negative words that you want to get rid of. Don't try and burn great aunt so-and-so because she knitted you an appalling Christmas jumper. That really is not appropriate. The coming of winter is a time of resilience and it's a time to look deep and find inner strength. So keeping our energy systems protected as well. So obviously, sad um, seasonal affective disorder does affect many people and the struggle is real and finding the strength to get through each day can be incredibly hard. Many of us don't even realise we're suffering. Um, but make winter your friend and look after yourself. Take time to reflect and recharge. Winter is about rebirth and renewal. 
Most traditions have a theme of death and birth, bringing hope and moving forward to the next festival date in the wheel of the year. And so our next festival will be Imolk in February, which I have covered briefly in my first ever podcast. Um, But let's see what 2024 brings us. And don't forget, you can join me on Instagram, Facebook as Alchemical Serenity. And hopefully there'll be a lot more going on in 2024 as we start a new beginning. And as my Scots grandparents would say, Nolak Creel, and my Welsh would say, Nodalach Luan. I've probably spelt, said that completely wrong, but I'm sure um, anybody listening in over now, either they'll have their hand over their eyes going, oh my word, what was that? However, bright blessings, love, light and peace. Have a wonderful Yule, Albanathan, Yol, Winter Solstice, Saturnalia, New Year and Hogmanay. And I will see you next year in 2024.